folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with Coastal Fall Focus's Jordan Shahuri. He is the co-host of the PFF Forecast Podcast, which I must say, George, I am very impressed. You guys have taken on the interview model over the yeah. summer and have had some really great conversations recently with your boss, Chris Collinsworth, uh, included. But I love the tweak of the PFF Forecast Podcast and where you guys have gone. I appreciate that because we were honestly, you know, you're always trying to like get a little bit better, and it, it sometimes it, it you need to hear it from j- not just other people but yourself too. So I was listening to a bunch of them, you know, and I was like, yeah, you know, there's something missing, and I realized what was missing was that it was just Eric and I talking the whole time. And as wonderful as I think we are, you need you need freshness in there, right? I, it really helps to have conversations with people that have a different perspective. Um, and are intelligent and think about the game of football a lot. And so I've learned a lot. I've really enjoyed these conversations. Um, they've been great. I mean, we had you on uh, a few weeks back. We've had, as you mentioned, Chris. Um, had a great conversation with Robert Mays, Mina Kimes, Scott Frisco, uh, Josh Hermsmeyer um, coming on again this week. So uh, it's good stuff, and I appreciate you shouting us out. Yeah, and uh, Cliff Averill on a recent episode to talk about the value of pressure. So that inspired me to want to talk to you uh, for this podcast about how valuable stuff is. That is probably going to be the name of the podcast. How valuable is this thing? So I want to start out here with Anthony Barr. So it's a random place to pick, but I think it's a good one. Because I was just on a conference call with Adam Zimmer, the co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for the Vikings. And he talked in depth about how the sack numbers and the interception numbers do not look 
really great for Anthony Barr. And his PFF numbers have painted him mostly as an average player or below, depending on the season, versus what he gets paid. And he was talking about a lot of the things that maybe you don't see or you don't quantify, like how he commands the defense uh, when he has a tight end or running back covered and they don't throw it in his way. It doesn't count for his numbers of attempts versus completions and things like that. I wonder about how valuable you think of a player like that is maybe over what your PFF grade would say, or do you think that a, a PFF grade can encapsulate some of those things? It's a great, great question. We were talking about this with Jamal Adams. Um, where it was like, okay, you know, a singular defensive player, am I really that enamored with it? I mean, you saw what, the, what happened to the Chicago Bears. They got a great singular defensive player in Khalil Mack, and it's like, okay, well, well what do you have to show for it? Your, your quarterback sucks, and therefore you've been, you know, below average. And, and the idea being that you just can't, you can't make your, you know, your team that much better with one of those guys. But – I think there's an interesting nuance to this conversation, which is in coverage, having guys that are, um, I don't know what the best, you know, just players who play anywhere, positionalist coverage players, sort of like what you see in the NBA with a lot of the players that are currently dominating. They can play anywhere. What does that do for the rest of the team? Because does it allow you to take a guy that would normally be a huge weak link in coverage in a certain position, say in the slot, for example, and move him somewhere, you know, maybe it's outside where he is, because you have that chess piece that you can move. And so I do think there is a component to that with Jamal Adams. And one of the ways to, to look at it is to say, okay, this guy generated X, you know, wins above replacement. And let's say it was, you know, 10th or 15th or 20th. That's great. But how did the rest of the team do? And what do we know about the linkages between players and coverage? And um, our buddy Eric Eager wrote a fantastic piece talking about how it's not good enough just to have one, you know, good coverage player. You need three. You know, you need you need guys that can cover or else uh, the weak link will be picked out. With respect to Anthony Barr, though, here's where I push back on these things. I don't – I need to see the stuff that we can grade show up first. <laughs> right? Like, like Richard Sherman doesn't get targeted a lot because he's good. But when he does, it's still not good for the other team. You know, like, he he does that. He still is our highest-graded uh, corner over the past decade. So when it comes to saying, look, he doesn't do all the things you can quantify well, but those intangible things he does well, I always want to say, you know what, you've got the order wrong. So while that may be true, I, I, the, the, the first thing is most important. So that's why I push back a little bit on it. Um, and, and I think there's a little bit of anchoring there, you know, with players that either – we like or we've drafted highly or gone highly in the draft or are talented, we want to accentuate those positives that we see um, because it makes us feel better about our decisions. So that was a long-winded way of me of respectfully saying that I, I kind of disagree with Mike Zimmer. Well, and I think that everything that the coaches are saying about uh, Anthony Barr is true, that he's a highly intelligent player, that he is the guy who's calling out the signals and that there's value in that, and that there are plenty of things that maybe, you know, in some plays, you might have a guy like Anthony Barr rush to an area to draw attention, to draw the blocking scheme toward him, which opens up someone else to get a sack, and you're not going to give Anthony Barr a very high 
grade necessarily on his pass rush or he's not going to get the pressure number. But I would also say he can't be the only guy in the NFL who has this same role. And yet there are guys who consistently rank in those those splash plays that are going to get them higher PFF grades. But one thing about Barr that is really interesting, George, is the variance from year to year on his PFF grades. So maybe, I mean, maybe you could explain how that would happen. Because from my watching Anthony Barr, playing injured in 2016, and I think that that hurt him and his PFF grade a lot, wasn't playing injured as far as I know last year. Some years he's been way up there, some years in the middle, some years toward the bottom. Like, how does that happen with a linebacker if he hasn't really changed as a player? You know what? I think that speaks to what I was just talking about, which is if, a, if you think a guy is bringing the rest of the players up with him, wouldn't you expect some consistency from his play? You know, and, and I, injury is certainly something that needs to be accounted for because we, we do – we work very hard not to incorporate that into the grading, right? If you're on the, if you're on the field and you're playing – we're going to grade you by the same standard we'd grade a healthy player, and that's important for our mathematical evaluation afterwards because you can then bring you know injury data into it. There are a couple of facets that are particularly um, you know volatile. Coverage is one of them, and you know I just keep thinking back to that Rams game, uh, you know a Thursday night in the far distant path uh, past where you know he got picked on kind of mercilessly. And those are the types of games when, you ha- when you're a linebacker and maybe your sample of plays where you're targeted and coverage is lower, your grade is just going to be able to fluctuate uh, a lot more. And so that, that's one area. Um, and, and I'll also point out, you know, on the pass rushing side of things, a lot of that is also scheme dependent. So what are you asking the player to do? You know, are you giving them opportunities to be, um, you know, to be a guy that gets more pressures or – are you are you not giving him those opportunities? I will say this though, we do a very good job, I think, in the PFF grading system, of giving guys credit for things that don't show up on the stat sheet. So just because a guy doesn't make the tackle, you know, if he takes on two blocks and eats up, you know, space so that someone can come through and make a tackle or, or get a sack, that is something that we are watching. You know, that is a huge component of football. So. Um, that's something that we do grade accurately. There's a couple of good examples of that over the years. Um, and there was a Jets linebacker duo that, uh, man, I can't remember the, the names of the two of those guys, but one guy kept making all the tackles and, uh, his counterpart was the one that, uh, had the higher grade because he kept eating up the blocks. Steve Palazzolo will tell that story, uh, really well. And it's because he's older than me and he's been around for so long, but, um, that's that. Maybe that was the uh, the Mo Lewis era or something of that's uh, <laughs> football. It was, I don't know. It was uh, yeah, not quite that, but but you get the idea. Get back to the conversation in just a minute, but first have to tell you about something very cool from our friends at Soda Stick. You probably know them for Minnesota sports-inspired hats and shirts and hoodies that are screen-printed in Minnesota, but Soda Stick also has artwork as well. You're going to want to check out their Man Cave prints, 20 by 24 prints representing everything Minnesota sports, from awesome throwback logos to legendary plays at first base to famous disgusting acts in Green Bay. They are on 
on sale now for just $35. You can't go out to games at the moment, but you can liven up where you're watching them from. You want to get Soda Sticks, very cool prints. Go to SodaStick.com. That's S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com and use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Yeah, so this is a, a. I'm glad you brought this up because the coaching staff for the Vikings is obsessed with Shamar Stephens, um, uh, you know, what he does in terms of his role, and they will always make the same point. Well, you know, if you look at just sack numbers or pressure numbers or, or something, well, that's not what he's coached to do. And if you're already factoring that in, and he's still not scoring extremely high versus peers that are doing the same thing for their job, I think that that tells you. Um, you know, that maybe he isn't performing as well as you could get out of somebody else, uh, even though they like him and they're glad that he's doing what he's supposed to do. Now, I want to ask you about this. The Vikings will have three new corners. Let's just say um, one of them is not good. And the other two are good, or at least average to above average. What is the value of one corner being bad? Like, can the other corners make up for that out of three, assuming they're playing nickel all the time, or not? Yeah, this is – there has never been a time in the NFL where the third corner has mattered more. You know, and quarterbacks are smarter than they've ever been. They're more accurate than they've ever been. They're more athletic than they've ever been. Um, and they're going to take advantage of that guy. You know, the, how your third best corner performs uh, tells you as much about your defensive success as how your best corner performs. And as, as crazy as that sounds, it makes sense when you think about how the offense attacks. You never go into a game and go, you know what, the best corner is Stephon Gilmore. Let's attack the hell out of him. <laughs> no, no, you go and you go, who's the worst coverage player? How can we get a mismatch with this guy? And it's only when you don't have a real weakness across the board that, that you can really start to, to play around and have fun. What the Patriots did last year, um, the Niners, by and large, had a pretty, um, a pretty strong secondary. You know, I know uh, Mosley came in for Witherspoon in that game in the playoffs you know, against the Vikings. And I thought that was really what won them the game. I mean, it, Witherspoon kind of kept them in it um, with a few poor plays against Diggs. Um, and so that it, it speaks to why it's so important to take shots on coverage players. Because first off, as I just alluded to, you don't, really don't know. Like you can do all the research in the world, you can have all the greatest models in the world, you know. And you, there's still a lot of variance in how a guy's going to turn out just from season to season uh, in coverage. And um, so you have to have a lot of ammo in the cupboard ready to deploy on the coverage side of things so that you avoid the situation where it's exactly as you said, I got two guys that are average and I've got one guy that, you know, you couldn't cover a $5 check and that's when you get in trouble. Yeah, and, and that's where I think it's reasonable to question how the secondary is going to perform, even though they do have a good amount of talent in a first-round draft pick in Jeff Gladney, in two Pro Bowl caliber, I'll say, players, since Anthony Harris did not make the Pro Bowl despite leading the NFL in interceptions last Just year. Just ridiculous, by the way. I mean, right. ridiculous. One, there, there, are times where, there are times where interceptions and PFF grade do not mesh. In fact, there's a lot of those. His interceptions are fluky as hell. This was not one of them. 
Well, that's what I was going to ask it is, is how much can that cover up though? I mean, like, do you find that if you have players at these, at a linebacker position, a safety position, because I, I think just from observing myself last year, Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, along with Eric Hendricks coverability, helped the Vikings defense survive, even though they had one of the worst outside corners in the league in Xavier Rhodes and a below average one on the other side in Trey Waynes. Yeah. It, that's exactly what I was talking about earlier, the ability to kind of cover up for these spots, you know, and whether it be in the slot or, you know, deep, you know, when a guy gets burned deep, do I have a safety that has the range to, to scare, you know, and to make, uh, to make plays and to scare uh, quarterbacks away from making plays. Um, and I just don't, I don't think that's that's a risk that I would be willing to take. And so that's why I like, you know, how the Vikings attack things. Like, okay, we're going to get Jeff Fabney and, and hope that he becomes a, an above-average cornerback, and we're going to take some shots. on. You know, we're, going to, we're going to end the Xavier Rhodes experiment, right, and like move on from that because I just don't think it's tenable. Um, it's not something that I'd be, I'd be wanting and hoping each year going into it. But you know what? really hope my linebackers can cover up for my corners <laughs> or like I really hope that you know Anthony Harris can cover up for uh, for my outside corners because you're playing with fire in that moment you want you want those guys to be able to make plays and be strong in coverage so they don't get taken advantage of but when you start asking them to do things that other guys are paid to do I think that's where you run into trouble so I would predict that the Vikings, because of this issue, that Mike Zimmer is not a fool. He's going to know that these young corners are going to get beat sometimes. Even Jeff Gladden, your rookie corners generally struggle. Um, how much is it worth to increase the pressure that they dial up? To increase not – I mean, obviously everyone wants four-man pressure. That would be a wonderful world if everybody on defense could have that. But um, in terms of blitzing, risk versus reward, Zimmer's blitzes on third downs have baffled quarterbacks for a very long time. He switched from mug looks where you have the linebackers over the guards to zone blitzes over the last few years, and it's really been brilliant. Um, But how much of that can you do to make up for corners that maybe are not the best or at least ready to be that that good at this moment? Yeah, I I think that the other way around where you need – good corners to blitz effectively. Um, I think about what the Baltimore Ravens did last year. Baltimore Ravens blitz more than any other team in the NFL. I mean, they, they blitz more than half the time, I want to say. It's 53%, just ridiculous. Um, I mean, they were just so blitz happy. And the reason you can do that is you have this stable of corners where you're like, I know that I'm not going to have Marlon Humphrey get his ass kicked. I hope I can say that here. His you can, apple yeah. Yeah. Um, FCC rules uh, I apply, I think. <laughs> um, I routinely break uh, rules. This is what I do. I'm a real bad boy here. Um, the, the the ability to cover, I think, is so important in, in being an effective blitzing team because when it, you know, if you were playing a good, I always think about, like, you want to beat a good quarterback, right? I want to beat a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees, a Patrick Mahomes. And those guys routinely kill the blitz. Why? Because they diagnose it, they identify the weakness in coverage, they get the ball out quickly. And sure, you'll be able to get away with with that against Mitch Trubisky um, if you don't have strong corners, right? But if you want to beat the best, you've got to be able to cover for two seconds when you blitz. So I actually would see it the other way around where I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to cover up, 
you know, I think um, what I'm hoping is that I can have a just strong enough coverage where um, my, my blitzes will actually be able to get home and won't get taken advantage of. This is actually an old defensive coordinator saying is you blitz the bad ones and cover against the good ones, right? Because yeah. they will tear you apart. Uh, even Kirk Cousins, when other teams blitz, he has a very high quarterback rating according to the, the PFF numbers. And there's yep. ways to look at that. But um, clearly from what we saw in 2018, the, the better coverage, a lot of good quarterbacks, if you're not Mahomes, are not throwing into coverage all the time still. Um, and so, yeah, basically I've been asking you, but what about, can this make up for the corner? Can that, and the answer is no, no, and not really. Um, on the offensive side, now here's a funny one. So I know the PFF has done a study on this to find that left guard has the least amount of impact on what your offense does of any position on offense, but that is not for the Minnesota Vikings, where your quarterback refuses to move right or left unless he is told that he has to move right or left. And the left guard and right guard positions have been so poor that a lot of times your Kenny Clarks and Eddie Goldmans and Akeem Hickses are just walking right back to him and having a sack party. So how valuable is it for the Vikings to get it right with their guard competitions? <laughs> yeah, I, right. It's all about um... – it's all about the quarterback, isn't it? I mean, that's uh, such a good point. The reason that, in general, it's such a it's not that valuable of a position is that you know your best pass rushers generally are on the outside, and you've got a little more ability to kind of slide and help right on the interior. Um, it's important, right? I mean, you've got guys, you know, you've got Dakota Dozier. He's played 350, I want to say, snaps, like. Over the course of his, uh, he's yet to play. Sorry, more than 350 snaps in any of the of his five seasons, um, and like, you just can't afford to have a total disaster in there. That, that's kind of how I would think of it. Is like, Kirk Cousins may not be Patrick Mahomes, but if I can at least get somewhere near average play, it's not going to show up that much. You know, it's it's just not. And and that's why we talk about the importance of how you can play from a clean pocket versus when you're under pressure. If, if I know that I've got a decently average set of guys on the interior, maybe they're, they're a little below, but they're not disastrous. I still feel really confident that 65% of the dropbacks, Kirk Cousins will be able to throw from a clean pocket. Like I have confidence in that. Um, and what you need to avoid are those, you know, exacerbating the situation where you just get whipped right from the start. You know, Aaron Donald just tosses your, your guard and tackle uh, over to the sideline and, and eats your quarterback for lunch. Um, if you can mitigate some of those because they're just they're just able to hold on for another tenth of a second, um, I don't think it'll show up as much as we might fear that it will. Okay, I'm pulling this up right now that I think you still should be afraid because last year uh, pass blocking efficiency among all interior offensive linemen, Pat Elfline dead last. Yeah, who was not numbers. And Garrett Bradbury, uh, withhold your uh, comment after this, 69th out of uh, 80. Yep, yep, it's hard not to do it. Uh, 69th out of 87. So it's got to be better than that, basically. And if it's not better than that, it will be a problem. But I agree with you. If they could get to average, then it shouldn't make that much of a difference. Now here's my next one for you. How valuable is it that Justin Jefferson, or how? I guess I'll put it this way, 
how much do they need Justin Jefferson to be really good right away? Like how valuable is it to them to have that second, that true second option pop right back into the offense after trading away Stephon Diggs? I want to be careful of how I say this, but I, I would say if I'm looking at this division and I take quarterbacks out of it, I'm not sure that there isn't a player who could swing this division more than Justin Jefferson. Wow, that is spicy. Yeah, it's kind of a hot one for you. But here's the reason I would say that. It's not that I think he can be, you know, the best non-quarterback, right? It's that there's so much variance in a guy like Justin Jefferson. You know, he, he was so fantastic at LSU, but he played from the slot. Is he going to be asked to go on the outside? Can he win from the outside? Um, and then you look at that team and you look at where, you know, where the biggest drop-off is. And I, I would say the Packers have a pretty big one too, but I don't think they have a guy coming in, certainly not. They don't have a guy coming in at the wide receiver position who could, you know, when you take a receiver in the first round, you have a profile like Justin Jefferson, you could be, you know, in your range of outcomes, a top 10 receiver. And what does that do for your team? Well, if you've actually strengthened the other positions on your team and you're able to replace-ish Stephon Diggs, man, that's massive. You know, that's huge. But if he's not, you know, and it's Laquan Treadwell 2.0, you know, <laughs> I, I hate to bring that and I hate to use that, but, but that's also in the range of outcomes, right? Laquan Treadwell was a guy people were really excited about. And I know, you know, people will yell at, you know, start yelling at their phone or wherever they're listening to this when they hear that, right? And I don't think he's going to be Laquan Treadwell. I really like Justin Jefferson. Um, but think about how, what that would do to the Vikings, you know? Like, you'd be saying, like, man, like, this sucks. I've got, like, one receiver out there, you know? And you're hoping that Irv Smith turns into – um, you know, vintage Jimmy Graham, <laughs> because because that's you know that's the only way that you can have a, a feasible passing game. So, um, you know, there might there might not be a player, and, and it kind of sucks, you know, for it to be a rookie receiver because I know we always think those are never never have a shot to you know to be great in their first year. But we saw two really 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 good receivers last year as rookies. Um, you know, AJ Brown was so crucial to that Vikings, uh, sorry, to the Titans um, uh, playoff run. And I don't see any reason why that wouldn't happen again this year. I know that the whole COVID thing, you know, look, they've never been able to practice together and all this stuff. These guys will, you know, have figured out ways to get on the same page. And I, I think it's still a possibility. Is there something that points to success for receivers that you could pinpoint with Jefferson? I mean, college production was outrageous, but also with the number one overall pick quarterback, also mostly out of the slot, also, you know, with a team that was unbelievable, right? Like, but I think that a guy's ability to do things with the ball uh, after catch and things like that um, kind of points to, you can find a role for him, even if he isn't perfect with many other aspects. Yeah. Teasing out, scheme and in college you know it's tough but when we do when we project you know this is the beauty of of math right you don't have to use just one variable you can take into account a bunch and you can adjust for those things you know using um using mathematical uh i don't want to get too technical here right but just using different techniques uh and different modeling um techniques to to kind of weigh those appropriately you know and so 
you can weigh appropriately how good the quarterback is. You can weigh appropriately how strong the competition was. And you can adjust your, your um, opinion. You know, the, the math's opinion will adjust on uh, how they feel about a player based on those other components. And we do that for our projection uh, from college to pro. And Justin Jefferson it was still a guy that was in the top, um, you know, of our list. He was a guy that both Eric and I really liked um, and talked about uh, when we were doing kind of our pre-draft stuff and our mock drafts as a guy that we would have, we would take, you know, pretty high. And, and obviously some, some teams agreed. Um, but it, it doesn't mean that you totally mitigate that risk, right? You know, it's like it, it's the same thing that, you know, this is a guy that was taken right in that area, right, that the Eagles took, Jalen. Is it Rager? Rieger, I, I believe it's Rager. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's how I think a sane person would pronounce it. We like usually myself. get these pronunciations, right. We usually get these pronunciations at rookie minicamp, and then we're good uh-huh. to go for, like, the rest of the guy's career, but no rookie minicamps. Right, right. So I, I'm going to stick with Rager because I think it sounds better. But, you know, he had the exact opposite situation where, you know, his quarterback couldn't throw it in the ocean and, you know, didn't have a lot of opportunity and, when he did get opportunity, he had the ball in his hands. He was electric. So, you know, how do you project that forward? You know, his athleticism looked incredible on the field. Um, he, you know, people would argue ran his 40 uh, officially with, like, a weight tied to him. He was so slow. And, you know, like, there's all these – there's so many things there that it's, it's just impossible to mitigate, um, and it's always going to be a question mark. But it's not – it's not that we're – we're certainly taking it into account with these guys. We're in the year 2020. It's possible to do. Before we get back to the conversation, got to let you know that Sundays, Sundays, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFL Sunday TV. You can stream every live out of market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone, Direct TV, Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFL Sunday TV is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUE. Blue Wire at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price that you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and then goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts every 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering up our listeners 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code INSIDER, DealDash.com.FM slash INSIDER. That is D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M slash INSIDER. Yeah, right, and who knows how much that will impact everything as well. The fact that, I mean, he might not know where to line up by the time he gets to week one. I've seen that from rookie receivers, even when they turn out to be good. Their first couple of weeks of camp, they're like, oh, my gosh, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do, and then it takes them a while to get it. Um, Last thing for you, George, your co-host on your podcast, Eric Eager, was on this podcast not too long ago. 
talking about how he thinks the Vikings will go six and ten, and he is <laughs> under. And uh, you know what's surprising is that I didn't get a lot of ragey emails or tweets. I think a lot of people went like, you know, it's in the range of possibilities when you have so much turnover in such a weird year. But if you are, because you guys focus a lot on the gambling element of the game, if you are gambling on the Vikings, uh, does Eric have a point? I think he does. Um, I think he has a very good point. Um, we get really excited about rookies because that's how you win championships. You draft well, you know, there's no, there's a reason, but producing in their first year and relying on them in their first year is asking a lot. And, um, so I would say, look, I'm, you know, I'm more bullish on the future two years from now than I would be with this year. And I know that's tough to think about when you've got, you know, Kirk Cousins, who is a win-now guy. But that's how I would look at it. And I, I wouldn't be – maybe that's the reason that, that people have taken that really hot opinion by Mr. Eager of 6-10. and 10. I would I would go – I know Eric so well that I know there's this, like, built-in um, one-win one pessimism that, that he has. Uh so I'm going to go seven and nine, God willing. I, look, six and ten, seven and nine, that means you played 16 games. And uh, I'll be, I would be stoked about that uh, regardless, you know, even if it was my team. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm taking the, the under there for that reason that, you know, that I just stated. And the second reason would be that I have a pretty high opinion of the other teams in the division. The Packers, look, they weren't a 13-3 and three team last year. They weren't that good of a team. But just because they drafted poorly doesn't mean they're going to be a three-win team. <laughs> and that's how people are acting. So I'm not as worried about the Packers this year, you know, falling off a cliff. And the Detroit Lions with a healthy quarterback were a top-five offense in the NFL. So, um, you know, I think all three of those teams, the Vikings included, are very strong. Um, and then the Bears, I mean, they've had one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL for the past couple of seasons. So you get average quarterback play. That's not a pushover team. It's easily one of the strongest divisions. Um, and that's going to be something that's tough to overcome. So seven and nine, my official prediction. So you're saying that uh, the Vikings should root against divisional bubbles, which I believe is your idea <laughs> on the forecast what do you think podcast. About, what do you think about that idea? Oh, I love it. I mean, anything that makes it happen so we have sports, I'd be like, yeah. I'm getting convinced to do almost anything at this point. But uh, if it goes sideways early on and after week one we have a bunch of outbreaks and we have to shut down the league, I think it's the only option. And I do think it would be like historical and cool to have one year where everybody played just in their division and then we had playoffs it would be wild, and I think Collinsworth brought up a good point. By the end of that season, I mean, we would just have brawls at the end of the games with oh, yeah. each other that much. So, I mean, it would be fascinating. It would be fun. It would be unique, kind of like what the NHL, NBA, WNBA are doing with their bubbles, and it might be the only way to make it happen. And then, I mean, the secret of this COVID thing is like, I don't even know if, you know, next season or whatever is going to yes. be normal. So if you're the NFL – you should be planning right now for that as your backup plan. I, I couldn't agree more. The NBA bubble has been fascinating. Imagine having that, but times 
you know, m- multiple times over and having one that's in your region. You know, if you're covering sports, that could be something that really breathes some life, you know, back into it because it's so close to home. Um, and the, the, the lack of clarity on where different divisions stand within the league would be fascinating. You know, you'd have these raging debates. College football is kind of a, a you know, a disaster when it comes to that because it's just all people talk about. But it'd be fun in the NFL for one season for people to be like, I have no idea if the AFC West is, is any good at all, you know, all this stuff. Or the Chiefs, you know, do we know that they're good yet? I mean, I'm here for those conversations because um, they're fun and, and it'd be interesting. And um, I think you make a great point, which is we have no idea um, in the spring. You know, next year is another thing. But we have no idea in the spring if it's going to be, you know, I hope so. But we may still have to be really careful. Um, and so, you know, you, you just kind of have to prepare for, for that being the case and not get too optimistic with things because when you do, you fail to prepare and that's how we end up with no games. And that's obviously, you know, despite what some have said, uh, I don't think there's anyone out there rooting for no games. <laughs> no, of course if so, not. if so, find them and let me know. Cause I'm, I did, know, I did think about like just for a second being the Twitter troll who tweets oh, like I'm a football journalist and I want no games, no work for me. Like it just, uh, you know, just, I don't know. Cause it's so asinine, but um, you know, I, I just, I think what we should be hoping for is that they have a backup plan. And if it doesn't work out in the first couple of weeks that they can pull it back, take a month off or a couple of weeks off and then get back into something that's going to work better. Uh, I am, in the same boat right now as Mike Zimmer being cautiously optimistic, but getting through the first couple of weeks might be possible. It's after that when we all just sort of settle in, you know, then, you know, how's everybody staying away from bars at that point? You know, it's kind of a thing that I'm thinking about, but um, we will, we will be hopeful. George, this was uh, absolutely terrific, super fun and insightful as always. And I highly suggest everyone go back and listen. If you haven't heard those interviews that you guys have done throughout the summer, they've been great. And I've really enjoyed listening to it, man. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much for those kind words. Stay healthy out there. And I look forward to uh, the next time we can all talk, whether it's in person or on zoom, it all works, man. It's all beautiful. Someday, someday, I'll come back and visit the uh, Cincinnati offices, and you'll actually be there. The last time I went down, you were not there. so I'll, I'll do my best. All right, thanks, George. Sports are coming back. So are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball finally kicking off, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, features, and props to bet on, all available at 24-7. So with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time champion Robert Ori. See what they had to say and what it's like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. And remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering expert.